Hi everyone, thank you for accompanying me on this new episode of Project 25. It's a new year with many new stories and I am very excited. So thank you very much for following the project along the past year. In today's episode, I spoke with Vanessa Robinson. At 65 years old, Vanessa Robinson doesn't hold herself back. After living a life working as an IT professional, as an army reserve officer of dancing, country, and ballroom, and parenting, she is now focused on enjoying life as much as she can, for as long as she can, and in helping others as a way to pay back. For many years, there were two parts of Vanessa, and she hit one, but not anymore. Please join me in this episode as I listen to Vanessa's anecdotes, experiences, and advice for the new generation of 20-somethings. But before diving into the episode, I want to say a huge thank you to the Rainbow Elders of Calgary for being so open to me and allowing me to tell their stories. The Rainbow Elders Calgary is a volunteer-run organization determined to make a significant difference in the lives of 2S LGBTQ plus seniors. The organization provides support and addresses issues such as social isolation, housing, and loneliness. The Rainbow Elders of Calgary believe that they have a responsibility to connect with and be role models for our vulnerable 2S LGBTQ plus youth. So, if you are interested in connecting with or donating to the Rainbow Elders of Calgary, you can find their website on the episode description. Thank you very much and I hope you like this episode. Project 25 was born out of the obsession that we have of figuring things out. Being a 25-year-old or a 20-something is weird because it's fun, confusing, and exciting all at once. <laughs> it's an age where we realize that maybe the goals we had for ourselves weren't really ours to begin with, an age of tons of learning and unlearning, and an age of frequently asking ourselves, what am I doing? And that leaves us with a lot of uncertainty. I'm Andrea Juarez, and I created this project after hitting my quarter-life crisis. <laughs> I decided to look for answers and ask my family members, friends, and people I admire about their experiences being 25, what has changed, what they've learned, and their advice for the new generation of 20-somethings. There is a lot to live and learn, and I am a firm believer that listening is a powerful tool. Even if all the answers are within us, by listening to others, we can feel understood, but also reflect on ourselves, learn, and think about what we want for our present and for our future. Vanessa, thank you very much again for joining me today. And... I just wanted to ask you before we start, what is your age title or how will you describe yourself? I'm 65. I'm a retired IT professional and trans woman. Thank you very much. And Vanessa, I wanted to start off asking as well, what did you do when you were 25? So were you studying or were you working or what were your hobbies? Sure. At, at uh, 25, I was married and working at my first job, which was a computer programmer for the Department of National Defense in Ottawa. And I had a uh, two-year-old son. And I was also in the uh, Army Reserve as an officer. Wow. Was that a tough job? <laughs> 
I was in the Army Reserve uh, because I, it was something I really liked. I, I, and I joined actually when I was in high school and it, I love the outdoor aspects of it. And I gained a great deal of self-confidence through the military training. So it was, a, it was a fun thing to do. I know it seems strange being <laughs> army seeming fun, but I, I did enjoy the, uh, the camaraderie and the uh, physical training and such of that. Uh, as far as uh, trans women know, um, I didn't consider myself trans at the time. I was a, what I would call a closet cross-dresser. That is, I, uh, I would dress in women's clothing when I had the opportunity. The only person who knew about it at that point was my wife at the time. And she was partly accepting of it, but not fully. And yeah, so I was just figuring this aspect of myself out at that time. It wasn't until uh, just actually the past year where I finally realized that this is who I was, part of who I am anyways. Wow, thank you for sharing that. And I am happy to hear that as well, that you found what you want to be. Yeah. And Vanessa, I think this topic kind of leads to my next question. So what did you think when you were 25? You said you enjoyed the military, but I wanted to ask you as well, and that you also mentioned that you like to dress in women's clothing, but what do you think when you were 25? Like, did you have a vision of the world or did you have a certain expectation of how life should be like yeah, I had very little understanding of this, and and back in those days, it was not something that was talked about and stuff. There was, you know, there was no, well, maybe pride parade. You're just sort of getting started, but it was not something I had any knowledge of. I kind of even know. I thought maybe then when I got married, I wouldn't want to cross dress anymore, but it turns out I did, and because it's 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 a part of me expressing who I am. But yeah, I I didn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't know anything about it. Well, I guess I knew there were other people that did it, but I didn't know any of them. So yeah, it was a totally different world than it is today. But I mean, again, that's not everything about who I am, right? But it's, it's a part of myself that I felt I had to keep private because it wasn't acceptable. But I mean, I enjoyed the, you know, doing physical things and stuff too. But like to me, I like what I would want, like when I'm off doing army exercises and, you know, digging ditches, <laughs> trenches and patrolling through the night and getting dirty and everything else. When that was done, I wanted to get dressed up pretty, but didn't really have that option most of the time, right? So it's like there was those two parts of me and I had to hide one part, not the other. My vision of the world, I've always been a little on the left-wing side of things and and still am. So um, I was atheist. I, I stopped believing in God and the church back when I was in my teens. I was raised Roman Catholic, but it just didn't seem to work out for me. Uh, I was pretty focused at the time on raising my family and, and starting my career off and where that was going to go. So, you know, I guess like any other 25-year-old, I didn't really know all that much, you know, didn't have much life experience yet. Muddling through as best I could and enjoying life. I always, uh, you know, believed in helping others. And there was a movie that came out at some point, it was called Pay It Forward. 
and didn't hadn't heard of that terminology, but it's something I always believed in doing. Like if I helped somebody out and they, you know, offered me money or whatever, I would just say, no, just help somebody else out. Yeah, so the good will trickle down to yeah. the others. <laughs> I love that. Thank you very much. And Vanessa, this is a very broad question. So feel free to focus on whatever you want. <laughs> but basically, from when you were 25 to this day, what has changed? Either in the world, in yourself, in your beliefs, in your environment. Yeah. Well, that was 40 years ago, and uh, an awful lot has changed in the world since that. I mean, I was uh, starting life as a programmer, putting instructions into the computer on punch cards. So the technology advances over the last 40 years have been amazing you know uh, gps uh, i remember trying to i you know trying to find my I had a contract in germany and i flew into frankfurt and had to try and uh, find my way to this other city called mannheim trying to read a paper map while driving the car in a foreign country you know whereas now you just bunch it into you know the gps and it yeah it tells you how to get there yeah on google maps i don't know what i would have done like 40 years ago yeah. if i existed I'm very bad at reading maps, so. Yeah, personal computers. The idea when, you know, when I started in my career that people would have computers in their home was a foreign idea. And now, you know, smartphones, internet, 24-hour news channels and all this stuff. So, yeah, a lot has happened. I've seen all kinds of ups and downs in the economy. Uh, when I started my first job, and I was two years in when I was 25, and the interest rates at that time were in the neighborhood of 18%. And inflation, we went through wage and price controls because inflation was just out of control. So when I, I hear the news now, they're talking about the inflation rate, and I'm going, you guys don't know what inflation is. The one that's coming up next year, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Now, hopefully it never gets as bad as it was yeah. back in the 80s. <laughs> that was pretty bad. But we got through it all. I mean, I saw things like the fall of the Berlin Wall, the end of the Soviet Union, the beginning of the European Union, NAFTA. I've lived through many different governments, different political parties and all that. So yeah, I've seen quite a bit. On the personal side, been uh, married and divorced twice. 25, I just had a son, but a year later, but then I also have a daughter. They've both grown up adults now. I moved several times, changed jobs, and lived in Australia for three years. And another big change was uh, I became vegan uh, 12 years ago. And uh, had a couple other long-term relationships besides the two marriages I had. Learned uh, ballroom and country dancing. Gained a lot of self-confidence over the years. I, I like to think I learned from my mistakes because I made enough of them. Probably one of the most important things I learned was uh, interpersonal skills and that not everybody thinks the same. Like I, I kind of had this idea back then that, well, everybody must think like I do, right? And I didn't understand why with some people I didn't relate to them well. It wasn't until I took an interpersonal relationship course that I understood that, oh, some people don't think the same way I do. That was a big thing. I learned how to process and get through grief and let go of the past because I certainly had to do that a few times. And I certainly know and understand myself a lot, a lot more than I did then. That's amazing. Yeah, many things have <laughs> mm. 
change for sure. I am interested about what you said about living in Australia. How was that experience for you? I was, it was amazing. Um, it was strange. Um, when I was 46 years old, I mean, I guess I always liked, you know, thought of the idea of Australia, but I seriously decided to look into it when I was 46. And it turns out if you're over 45, you can't work there unless you're sponsored by a company. So I kind of gave up on that idea for a while. But then um, I was a self-employed IT trainer for a number of years. And at one point I came across a job opening for a trainer in Australia and I applied for it, but never heard back. So you know, I figured, okay, I didn't get it. And then, I don't know, probably about eight months to a year later, I got a phone call saying, still interested in Australia? And I went, yeah. And, uh, you know, so Skype interview or two later and a bunch of uh, paperwork and things. And yeah, I was off to Australia. A funny thing sort of happened on the way though. So once I knew I was moving, but it was about three months before all the paperwork for my visa and stuff could be processed. I thought I was single at the time and thought, okay, no problem. I can, you know, I'd just do some casual dating over the summer. And I ended up dating this woman who I probably would not have even started dating because she had a nine-year-old son at the time. I had already raised my own two kids and actually had been kind of a stepdad to another girlfriend that I was with for several years. And so that really wasn't where I wanted to be at that point in my life, was looking after kids again. But I knew it wasn't going to turn in anything because I was moving to another country. Turns out she fell in love with me and asked me to take her to Australia. And even though we had only been dating a couple of months and yeah, so. And you did? Yeah. I, <laughs> How was that? Well, it was good and bad. You know, the smart part of me, like if I was advising a friend who told me, yeah, I'm moving to Australia and this woman and their kid are coming with me, who I barely know, I'd say, you're crazy. But, you know, gave it a shot. We ended up getting married while we were there, but uh, it didn't work out. But still, it was it was a good time and enjoyed the time, even, you know, with her son that it, for those three years. And uh, it was only because the company I was working for went bankrupt that we ended up moving back to Canada. Okay. Personally, I would have stayed, would preferred to stay and try and find uh, another sponsor while I was there. But my wife had two adult kids back here in Canada who she wanted to come back and be with. So we moved back to Canada, but ended up getting divorced uh, or separated rather a year later. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's an amazing country. Yeah, I've always um, wanted to go there. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Canada is an amazing country too, but I've lived here all my life, so that was new and different. Exactly, and yeah. Everything, you know, the seasons were opposite, driving on the opposite side of the road, kangaroos hopping, you know, driving around the road in the city and seeing kangaroos hopping around beside you. It was just uh, kind of mind-blowing, actually. Yeah, that's exciting to hear. <laughs> Thank you for telling me about that. I just uh, I love having fun with people who were you know, complaining about how cold it was when it got down to plus 10 there. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know what cold is. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, when it was 40 plus, I was like, oh, this is too yeah. hot. Yeah. And Vanessa, I wanted to ask you as well. So you mentioned in early that you are retired. Yes. What do you do uh, and what are your beliefs now? So what did you spend your time in and like, what is your mindset now that everything has changed? Yeah. I've, I don't understand how I 
managed to live my life working full time. <laughs> it's like you think, okay, I got all this time, but time still just goes by real fast. It seems like mind you, I only retired back at the end of May, so it's only been a few months. And I I moved to a new place in June, so that took up a bunch of my time. Other than that, I. I play sports, traveling, hiking, spending time in the mountains, and just being free to go down internet rabbit holes and, and things, right? And there's other things I'll, I'll get to. I guess uh, one of the other things I started doing, so this summer I went on a month-long trip through the U.S. Totally spur-of-the-moment thing. Uh, somebody who's in the Facebook group that I'm in said she was in Oregon hiking for a couple of weeks anybody wanted to join her and I went okay I got time so drove down there and the two of us spent a couple of weeks at the end of July hiking in Oregon but then we decided to continue on and traveled into California Nevada we um, traveled to get uh, to Vegas and at that point we split went our own way she had back to California and, and fly back to the UK where she was from and I continued um, on north through uh, Utah and Salt Lake City and all that but what one of the things we did which I'd never done before is a thing called couch surfing which is where you stay at other people's places and that it a is cheap <laughs> a lot cheaper than staying in hotels and it also is a way of meeting people and so now since I've been back I've been hosting people at my place so I've had a, a couple from Germany, another couple from Austria, and I've got a, actually starting in a couple of days, I'm going to be hosting a, couple, a refugee couple from the, the Ukraine. That's amazing. Like you mentioned earlier, like paying it forward, right? Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And that sounds like a, an amazing summer. <laughs> like you said, if you have the time, why not do it? <laughs> and Vanessa, I want to ask you now, so... What has been your biggest challenge and how do you deal with it or dealt with it? Certainly one of the challenges throughout my life is dealing with my gender identity and figuring that out. And I'll come back to that in, the, in a second. But some of the other challenges, of course, was you know, raising kids on a limited income for actually. So my son was actually born three months premature and we didn't even know he was gonna, whether he'd live or not for the first few days. And uh, fortunately, he did. But I was still in university at the time. And my wife got laid off when she was pregnant. So that was a bit of a struggle at first financially. Fortunately, I had saved up enough money for my part-time jobs in the Army Reserve to make things, make a go of it till I got a full-time job. But most of the time when the kids were growing up, my wife only worked part-time. So we were, you know, I just make do on limited income. But, so it was a challenge. Uh, just marital problems and, and the divorces certainly were challenges I had to deal with. I didn't always deal with things the best possible, but I think I did the best I knew how at the time. So, I mean, one of the mistakes I think I made was that I thought I could solve everything myself. I thought I could figure this out and didn't get help when I should have. My first wife and I eventually did get some marriage counseling, but it was too late in for it to save the marriage. So I really wish uh, we'd gotten counseling sooner. It might have made a difference. One of the things that really did help me, I, I was really stuck after my first marriage ended and that I still loved her. 
and I didn't know how to move on. And I was I was actually quite fortunate that I was at dance one time, and a woman at the dance uh, told me about this program that was called Rebuilding, that was run by a couple here in Calgary. And I was pretty skeptical, but I knew I needed something, so I signed up for the program, and it really was an amazing program that helped me find a way to put my love for my ex in a special place in my heart and, and move on. Yeah, so that was great. And actually what was really kind of cool is two other parts. The first part of the program was about letting go and it helped take you through the phases of grief and we did all kinds of exercises. And I think what was wonderful about that program was it, unlike just normal counseling where you're talking to a counselor, this was spending time with other people going through the same thing and that kind of shared experience and uh, being able to let out your feelings in a safe place uh, yeah. really helped. And then they had another program that was about looking into the things in your past that's holding you back from your childhood and such. And that again also really helped me to learn how I was holding myself back from messages I had picked up that weren't true. And then finally there was a third part about how to build healthy new relationships and that was also really wonderful. And then I volunteered back with that program for several years, helping other people too. That's amazing. I love to I this reminds me what you were mentioning about being together, experiencing the same things and just and in a safe space. What a woman that I've interviewed, uh, Ana Maria, she was telling me how important community love is in order to heal and help each other and uplift each other. Yeah. One of the things I really learned in that is how important is listening. Because what I found mostly people want to help you, right? And so they're very quick with the advice and they tell you, you know, oh, you'll get over it or she wasn't good for you or whatever, you know. But nobody seemed to just be interested in listening to what I was going through, whereas the people in that program were. That's beautiful. I've learned from that that to do the same thing out in the world, that to listen and hear what somebody has to say without judgment, and criticism or advice, just to let them share what they need to share. Exactly. Yeah, which is also the point of this broadcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability and just for being here sharing your story. So again, even with my cross-dressing and ultimately acceptance of my being cross-gendered, one of the things that helped a lot is I, after moving to Calgary, found out of a, a group for cross-dress, a social group for cross-dressers here in town, which allowed me to interact with other people dealing with similar issues in their marriages and stuff with cross-dressing and, and make just some new friends and have somebody I could talk. Like I didn't feel safe talking to any of my other friends about this and so that really helped have finding that community and ultimately it was somebody in that group that told me about a wonderful thing here in Calgary uh, called St Skipping Stone which is an organization that helps trans people and yeah that helped me with this final beginning of final stage again yeah. it's still an ongoing process really but yeah it, it's, it's it's interesting how so many things that I've come across whether it be that rebuilding program, the skipping stones and stuff, it's through talking to people that you 
you know, there's all these things out there that you may never find out about and just coincidental conversations you might have with somebody that they mentioned something that you didn't know about and that you can look into. That's why we need one of the many reasons why we need community. Yeah, just like share like this. These are the resources that are out there. Yeah, I'm like that too in the sense that, okay, if I find a free program like education or something like that, I share it with my friends and my whole group. Like, hey, just so you know, if you're interested, like check this out. So it can spread and help more people, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Vanessa. And I don't know if there's anything else you would like to add or do you want to go to the next question? When I was younger, I tried to solve all my challenges myself. And that I think was one of my mistakes. I didn't reach out for help when I should have. And I was pretty convinced I had the answers. I guess arrogant in, in a sense that it wasn't until I got counseling and stuff that I kind of, like I remember going into counseling and thinking, okay, that now, you know, problems, it's her, it's not me, of course. I'm yeah. fine. It's easier to blame you know, the other. So hand. we'll go to counseling and fix her. What I found out is that no, <laughs> I needed to fix myself. Not that I was broken per se, right? But there's things we can always improve about ourselves and learn. And, and yeah, I guess that's one of the things I learned over time was I don't have all the answers and reach out, get help, even if you don't think you need it. Yeah, that's a big one for sure. Even I've gotten counseling too yeah and i remember his other friends had gotten counseling and i was like well i was really struggling but i was like well i don't think i need it but okay i'll go ahead and like try it <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i needed so much counseling. <laughs> it was like and now and the way i saw it now it was like we all need it it doesn't matter yeah, if you absolutely. think you don't we all need it <laughs> And it's not easy, but it's going to like help us long-term for sure. Yeah. And Vanessa, thank you for sharing that. I wanted to ask you now, you were talking about some of your mistakes, yeah. but I wanted to ask if you could share about a time in which you succeeded and what happened and what did you do? Well, I'll just tie back to one of the things I already said. So one of the things the success I had was when I did that rebuilding program, I succeeded in overcoming a huge obstacle in my emotional life by taking a chance and overcoming my skepticism and actually giving that program a try. And I remember when I, the first night of the program, I was really skeptical. So I'm a very analytical person. I worked in IT for 40 years, right? So I'm a very analytical kind of person. And I'm used to going to things and there's an agenda and it's all laid out and all this, and there's a timetable and everything. And this didn't have that. And I'm going, well, what the hell's going on here, right? And and it was kind of touchy feelings, feely stuff. And that wasn't my comfort zone uh, at the time, but, but that, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot and we'll see what happens. And I'm really glad I did. So yeah, I think sometimes you just, you succeed by taking a chance and trying something that's outside your comfort zone. Thanks for saying that. That's a really good phrase for sure. And Vanessa, now I'm going to ask the opposite. Yeah. So can you share a time in which you failed? So what happened? How did you handle the situation? And what did you learn? Yeah, uh, one of the things that actually came to mind uh, for that was there was a point which I kind of failed. I failed both as a parent and 
as a, a husband in focusing on what wasn't working instead of what was. And an example that I look back at is there, my son was in high school was struggling, uh, not because he wasn't, he was a very smart kid, was capable of getting really good marks. But I think some of the stuff that was going on in our family life at home was affecting him and he was skipping school and stuff. And I remember at one point he brought home a report card for a semester and he had three good marks and one just barely passing mark. And I focused on the bad mark. My intention was good and that I wanted to go, okay, obviously you don't need help with those other subjects. You know, what's wrong? What's going wrong here? How can we fix it? And I realized now looking back that the mistake I made there was I focused on the, the bad mark and not on the good marks. And I think he was looking for attention and he got attention for the bad stuff instead of the good stuff. And I have no doubt now that if I had focused and praised him for those good marks and maybe just asked if he needed any help in that other subject but not really focus on it, I think that would have really encouraged him to do much better in school by uh, praise and encouragement rather than criticism. And I realize now as well, I did that in my relationship, my first wife as well, that I focused on the things I didn't uh, like about, you know, that she did or whatever and would criticize her for those things instead of showing appreciation and complimenting her on the things that I did like. And I didn't understand at the time I, and this was part of that whole, everybody doesn't think like I do think. Like to me, when I received criticism, that motivated me to try harder. But that doesn't work with a lot of people. I, I don't know why, but I'm one of these people that take criticism as a challenge. And so yeah. if I, somebody would criticize something, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily receive it well. I mean, I would be pissed off or whatever they criticized me. And, yeah. But it, <laughs> it would cool. motivate me to say, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. But I don't think most people are like that. And instead... If, if somebody, you know, does sound like one of the things that my wife might, like I liked her to dress up nice for me, right? And so it might be come home from work, she'd be dressed up nice for me, but she wasn't wearing high heels. So instead of being happy that she made that effort, I would criticize, you know, well, why didn't you wear high heels? You know, and of okay. course her reaction to that, which I, we talked like, you know, far too late and really, uh, we learned a lot about each other in the relationship after we split up and, and actually talked to each other sometimes and we'd go, oh, I didn't know that. But, you know, it was to her, she was saying, well, why should I bother? No matter what I do, you're going to find something to criticize. Yeah, So that makes sense. What's the point? Whereas I thought it was saying, well, if I don't tell her that, how is she going to get better? Yeah, so it was a miscommunication yeah. problem. <laughs> a different, you know, oh. uh, if I, I've learned that, you know, the people have different personalities and, and if you want to get along, you've got to understand them, learn what motivates them and, and come to where they are rather than uh, thinking that the same old thing is always going to work. So I learned to focus on the positive and the good things and encourage those and then and, and you're going to get a lot more of the good. Yeah. Thank you, Vanessa, for sharing that. That was very interesting, especially I think sometimes we live so much in our own heads. I wouldn't say that I focus on the negative, but I do sometimes. 
And it's funny because I, this is the beauty of this podcast as well, that I hear a lot of people with different experiences and different ways to see the world. So it's uh, like, for example, I am obsessed with goals or whatever. And there's people who don't, don't care about goals or they just take life as it comes. And I think that in the past, I would have been like, oh my gosh. And now it's like, I think it's refreshing. <laughs> it's like, that is so refreshing. Like it's just hearing all these different perspectives. So thank you for sharing that. And talking about goals, I want to ask you now, what are your goals or plans for the future? I'm figuring that out actually, entering two big new parts of my life, retirement and living and figuring out my new gender identity. And in that, I'm not sure what my goals are as far as that goes right now other than to start in a direction and see where it takes me i'm starting next week you know like the first step for me was to just get used to dressing in public and now i'm very comfortable with this so that's step one and, and then i had a hard time figuring out is you know what what am i on the where am i on the gender spectrum and how to um, I figure this out and I did get some counseling which is the smart thing <laughs> and that has helped and, and uh, it's it's an evolving process and I think the whole gender thing is, is a spectrum and there's people I know that it's very clear to them where they are and they're trans they're in the wrong body for who they are and so they have very clear goals of wanting to change their body to match who they are and in fact, my oldest brother became my sister 20 years ago, that for her, that was the case. She knew that she was a woman, even though she was born as, as a boy, and tried really hard to be a male, but finally in her 40s, she realized that wasn't who she was. For me, it's never been that clear cut. I And that's where it's more challenging for me to figure out where to go with this. I have both male and female aspects to me, but I, and it's not a case for me of knowing I am a woman, but rather wishing I was. If, if I had a choice in life, I would choose to have been born female. Although, to be honest, having learned about a lot of the problems women have had to put up with in yeah. their life and careers and stuff. I uh, perhaps have more uh, empathy for them because of, of that. But yeah, at, at the level of just from a personal being comfortable who I am, I would prefer to have been a woman. But I can certainly understand that I had many advantages in, in life, in my career and everything having been. But yeah, so I'm still figuring it out. And I, I don't know if I'll ever have surgery, but I am going to start on hormone therapy once I get the doctor's appointment next week. And we'll see where that takes me on the next step. So it, to me, it's kind of like, okay, I'll take a step in a direction and we'll see how far I want to go along that route. Retirement-wise, one of the things I have to do is figure out where I want to live. I came very close to moving to Costa Rica when I retired because I was in a long-distance relationship with a woman who lives in Costa Rica. And the plan actually was I'd retire and move to Costa Rica to be with her, but COVID kept us apart for a long time. And once we actually got to spend time together, we realized we weren't quite the right two people for each other. So then I was gonna keep working, but 
I thought, okay, with the two of us living together in Costa Rica, and I, you know, fine, I can afford it, but I didn't think I could afford to retire this soon on my own. But I had already put in to retire at work, and I'll make this work. But the idea of moving to another country is in my mind, so I have to um, figure out what that what you guys going to do and how that will work with with this gender journey I'm on as well, and trying to match all those things together. So it's really uncertain right now, to be honest, but I want to enjoy my life. Might as well. <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of like, I don't have a goal to say, okay, I'm going to be here in five years or whatever. It's when I, you know, I'm going to enjoy my life as best I can. I, I hope to find a partner to share my life with, although I know that's going to be a challenge. And if I don't, that's fine. I'm going to enjoy my life as much as I can for as long as I can. Yeah, you have yourself. <laughs> yeah, I have myself. And I have things I enjoy doing. Yeah, I've got friends. And I'm, so that's, I'm going to make the best of it. Thank you. I love to hear that. You're making the best out of your retirement journey. <laughs> yeah. And Vanessa, I forgot to ask you this question because I don't think I did. So what has motivated you or what motivates you now? You were just saying enjoying life but i don't know if there are any other motivators yeah out there. Sort of like i mentioned earlier on that you know criticism strangely has motivated me sometimes in the wrong direction but i like to say i i like challenges so i like to challenge myself growing up as a kid i was a skinny little runt uh, was wasn't i was one of the you know last ones to be picked for sports in school and stuff I was picked on a lot and As I got older, though, and, and I have very low self-confidence, and so now I've come to the point where I, I enjoy challenging myself and, and wanting to be better, but not obsessively either. Way better athlete I am now than when I was a kid. And I do like to try and be as good as I can be at whatever sport I'm playing, but also make, having fun at doing it. Like, yeah. There's so no without, point doing it if I'm not enjoying it. Yeah, so without the pressure, okay? Yeah, and so like I don't want to be on a team that's all about winning. I mean, it's fun to win, but if the last thing I would want to be is on a team whereas if I make a mistake, people are going to yell at me and say, you idiot, and, uh, you know, not for me. Uh, I would rather be on a losing team where people are having fun, but at the same time, have the opportunity to improve my skills and stuff. So that's what I like doing. I, I love personal obstacles. I love to challenge myself physically. So like every year I do at least one obstacle race. Like I, I like running, but I like rather than just straight running, which I do on an ongoing basis anyway, I like to do these obstacle races like the Spartan race or Mud Girl or whatever, where you're crawling through the mud. And yeah, I've done that one. <laughs> I guess it brings back memories of my army days. <laughs> yeah. But those, I, they're fun and challenging. And so meeting challenges is one of the things that motivates me. I'm motivated to help people. I, I feel good when I do something good for somebody else. I want to make this world a better place for everybody. And so that's one of the things that motivates me is to help and just try and make things better for people and uh, uh, for animals as well i mentioned i'm vegan and so it's important to me as well like i don't try and force anybody into it but to me not harming animals is an important thing and choices in life uh, based on that and i learned it's not that hard thank you yeah
And now that you are just mentioning that you want to help others, I wanted to ask you, what advice do you have for today's 20-somethings? Or what do you wish you knew when you were 25? Well, one thing I used to, uh, when I came home from work, was about the time that uh, Oprah was on. And she had this guy named Dr. Phil who was on on a regular basis. And then he ended up with his own show. I don't watch it anymore. And I think he's it's gone a bit crazy. But there was one thing that he would often say to his guests that I wish somebody had said to me when I was 25. And that is, how's that working for you? You know, I had mentioned that. So I was convinced I knew, you know, what was right. And it was, you know, the other people. And that statement, and obviously he would say it to people, if you were on his show, it wasn't because things were working well for you. You know, they were there to try and he yeah. was going to help solve your problem. Basically, television counseling, right? But and I realized when I heard him say that to people, going, how's that working for you? Well, yeah, that's not working for me. Maybe I have to try something different. And even though I knew I was right, <laughs> it wasn't working. So, yeah, that's a good piece of advice to anybody. I think. If, how's that working for you? If it's not working, you need to try something different. Yeah, in whatever um, aspect. Right. Yeah, whatever it is. If you know, if it isn't working, try something different or get get help or whatever in it. Get counseling, get coaching, whatever it takes. And have confidence in yourself. By the time I was twenty five I had a certain amount, but I still had a lot of self doubts and, and stuff. And uh, yeah, so have confidence in yourself. As I mentioned earlier, you know, get help even if you don't think you need it. I think we've changing but certainly when i was 25 there's a lot of stigma about getting any kind of uh, mental health oh uh, yeah help and yeah stuff. i think it's changing a little bit yeah. now but even like my parents are like no i'm not doing that <laughs> and i'm like okay <laughs> like my brother and i will suggest to them like um you should get therapy or something they're like mm -mm. <laughs> Well, it's almost like, I think, just like we get, you know, regular medical checkups, even when there's not necessarily anything that you know is wrong with you. Exactly, yeah. Um, regular mental health checkups should be a thing. Uh, one of the things is love is not enough. You need relationship skills. I, I hear so many young people, and I probably believed this myself when I was young, as long as you love each other, it'll all work out. We're going, no, I'm sorry, that isn't enough. You can love each other to pieces, but if you don't know how to make a relationship work, it's, it's not enough. It certainly helps, but yeah, love's not enough. Learn how to communicate. And it's better to be alone than in a bad relationship. There's so many people that will stay in a bad relationship because they're afraid of being alone or get into bad relationships because yeah. they want to be alone. And by alone, I don't mean completely alone. I mean, not in... You know, a relationship one-to-one -one relationship absolutely you don't want to be alone alone you want to have friends and and stuff but you don't need to be in a relationship to be happy so yeah those would be my advice for 25 now thank you so much vanessa and i have one last question for you before i let you go is there anything you'd like to share that you think it's important and i didn't ask yeah and i guess this comes a lot from from my uh, trans journey and that is that i think we need to support and encourage our kids into uh, being their true self i think a lot of times parents and society have preconceived notions of what kids should do what careers they should pursue and these kind of things and i think it's really important that we listen to our kids and that we 
not just our own kids, right? Whether, you know, if you're a teacher or whatever area you, are, you happen to be in life or you're interacting with young people is to support and encourage them in, in figuring out who they are and, and living their best self. I remember this summer when I was down in Portland and I walked and was in a bookstore and I was walking through the kids section and that whole section there of books, LGBTQ books for kids. And it just hit me so hard emotionally because I, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't know any of this. I say I knew, but I, I, that was wrong to know. I just felt like I had to keep this secret because it wasn't normal. And when I see things like that, where it shows kids who don't fit the norm, that they're still okay. That is so important. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that, Vanessa. And so uh, I participated in the Pride Parade for the first time this summer. And it was a blast. And it was so good to see so many people out and so many kids and stuff. Yeah, world changing in, a, in that way for the better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, feeling that support right? Even uh, that's why I came across the Rainbow Elders because I uh, saw, saw you all at the Pride Parade and it was like, oh my gosh, like it's, uh, I don't know, I was just, I was like, I love to hear their stories, especially because as you were mentioning, it was hard. Right now we are very lucky, especially kids today, right? With all the information that's out and to support, but it must not have been easy back in the day. No, um, it definitely wasn't. Whether, you know, it's trans, gay, whatever, non-binary. I mean, it's tough to be a kid no matter what, right? And if you've got those extra issues going on and, and things like the Rainbow Elder, you know, when you talk to people like that, so many of us hid who we were for a huge part of our life. And it, it's really a shame that anybody should have to feel that they need to hide any part of who they are just yes. to try and fit into somebody else's idea of who they should be yes you know be yourself and get support and being it thank you so much Vanessa for being honest and being open about those experiences that's why I also wanted to invite you and to Rainbow Elders because even though the world is more open now it is still hard like i've had i have friends who belong to the community and whose parents were not accepting and i think that it's important to hear the stories and let them know that they are not alone and that it's okay to be who they are so thank you very much for being here i appreciate it a lot i've actually been very fortunate in my coming out i've had nothing but support and encouragement but I know for many people, it's it's not that way. They've lost family, friends, and jobs, and things. So to do anything I can to help encourage people to be more open-minded. Thank you again, Vanessa, for your time. Taking the energy to sit down and just hear me ask all these questions and telling your story. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. If you like the episode or you think it'd be helpful for someone you know, I encourage you to share it. This way, you're also supporting the growth of this podcast. If you're someone or know someone who would like to share their experience as being 25, you can reach me at andrea.project25 at gmail.com. You can also follow Project25 on Instagram as project.25.
xx v so that's 25 just in roman numbers <laughs> thank you again for being here i hope that you have an amazing rest of your day bye bye